Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Remember to say the whole thing. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this Stuff They Don't Want You to Know's weekly listener mail episode. We always say that you, specifically you, are the most important part of the show, and this is where we prove it to be the case. So every week, we take one of our favorite pieces of listener mail and we share it with each other and more importantly with you. We've got a we've got an interesting grab bag today. We've got some hot takes, gentlemen. We really do. And we're going to begin with a message from Ed. Hello, this is Ed from Kentucky. I just listened to COVID three. I had no idea that there were people that actually believe COVID had anything to do with Pisces. That blows my mind. Yes, there's definitely a conspiracy to spread this conspiracy theory. Scientific American Journal, I'd like to do a class action lawsuit against them to remove the name scientific from their magazine. I'm signed up for a nationwide 
seminar teaching me how 5G definitely harms humans. And we have proof of this bull crap. This is so-called experts making money, selling books, selling pamphlets, and holding web seminars to tell us a bunch of nonsense. Please feel free to call me back. Take advantage of my 20 years of being exposed to radio frequency for the cell industry and my experience with 5G because I have worked with 5G antennas. And I didn't get sick. I'm still healthy. And I'm still working. Thank goodness. That's all for now. Bye. Well, tell us how you really feel, Ed. <laughs> Ed. <laughs> Ed is fantastic. I took his advice and I gave him a call. He left six messages in total, just so everybody knows. Um, and much of it was uh, about his work in the cellular industry, in repairing, in uh, mitigating issues, in doing all sorts of things to install the infrastructure that we depend on to use these tiny little mobile devices, the one that you're probably listening to this on right now. And my goodness, he felt so strongly about it, uh, so strongly against the concept that COVID-19 or coronavirus could have anything whatsoever to do with 5G, as well as the concept that 5G itself is somehow more dangerous than any of the other LTE uh, versions that have existed in the past. Um, I've got some notes from him, but I just, on the face of that, of what he's saying, how do you, how do you guys react to it? Well, first off, uh, Ed from Kentucky, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, I can confirm all the research that I've found shows that there is a clear disconnect there from the way that COVID operates, uh, 5G wouldn't do anything to help or to hinder it. Uh, it's, it. It's fascinating because, you know, COVID is just an iteration, right, of other related viruses, right? It's novel, but it's novel the way that, like, Police Academy 4 is the fourth and best police academy. You know what I mean? It's, it's not some new thing that needs 5G. However, Ed... You hit on a, a fantastic point that I want to go back to either now or in the future, which is there is a conspiracy related to 5G and COVID, and that conspiracy is to spread disinformation about the two. And that conspiracy is taking place by, uh, on a state level. It is a state-sponsored conspiracy theory is propagated by the Russian government. That is, in my mind, conclusive. Mm, that's really, really interesting. Just the, the concept that it could be Russia. Or it is Russia spreading it. Hmm. To, to, to what end exactly? To, to breed dis distrust and chaos? I suppose that would be one of the primary reasons, right? To weaken your enemy in some way? Right. The idea of asymmetrical information warfare is it gives you a lot of bang for your buck if you can't combat a uh, military in what was once called, you know, the uh, the normal ways of waging war. Uh, in our earlier conversations about the the kind of uh, reasoning that goes into Russian foreign policy, we talked a little bit about a book called Foundations of Geopolitics. There's a guy who is 
kind of like Alex Jones if people in government paid attention to Alex Jones and followed his advice. He was very popular in Russia for a time. He influenced a lot of military thinking. And one of the one of the big missions of information warfare against the U.S. at least and against the West uh, in terms of Europe as well is to fracture and divide the conversation. So the same the same operation that's propagating these myths that just don't add up uh, for everything we know about 5G and everything we know about viruses, they're also propagating and disseminating information about, um, for like they're aiding and abetting supremacist groups, right? Uh, of of all stripes, of all types, and the reason for this is to ultimately foment domestic unrest. This conspiracy theory has been incredibly successful in the United Kingdom, where people have literally been burning down 5G towers because they feel that they are uh, they are propagating COVID nineteen. I've, you know, I, I found this article, um, or I guess it was a radio piece on NPR, just talking about like the anatomy of a COVID nineteen conspiracy, and it kind of starts um, with this notion that uh, you know this was something that was created by global elites like Bill Gates, etc., um, that will, in order to uh, force people to get vaccinations that are implanted with tracking chips that are then activated by five G technology, and then the only reason that we have to stand six feet apart is because that's the military protocol distance for which, you know, people can accurately be scanned into the system. And it just kind of escalates from there. And then just gets more and more bonkers. And, um, where did this come from, though? The, the whole five G thing. Like, I just felt like it was just out of the clear blue sky. I know there was a uh, a Twitter account that was established um, early on that was spreading a lot of this disinformation called at uh, five G coronavirus nineteen, which sent out about three hundred tweets in just seven days and then was deactivated. But is that the origin that you guys are familiar with, or where where is this coming well, from? Do you? Do you guys remember when we talked to David Icke? And I think we mentioned this on an episode previously, but when we spoke with David Icke, the last thing that he said to us before we finished the discussion with him was that he told us about 5G and how dangerous it is and it's coming. Wow. The New World Order is coming to enslave us with 5G. Yeah, that's an excellent memory, Matt. You're right. Uh, And it was sort of like a teaser Right of a shape of things to come, but but ultimately, Ben, what I'm saying is that he he was afraid of it then, and there were rumors about 5G and its dangers then, far far before coronavirus was ever a thing for us to worry about. Mm-hmm. It, it That's felt, a good point. Yeah, it's like a fear of technology in a way. I guess. Yeah, and it's something we see with any other rollout of technology, right? When people were. Uh, well, we can't say any rollout because people were way less concerned about x-rays than they should have been. Uh, they were x-raying their feet at shoe stores as a novelty. But but I think we see that we've seen other concerns with cell phones when cell phones in general rolled out, right? And there were that, you know, we can't fully dismiss people's valid concerns about 5G in general because the technology doesn't have longitudinal studies, we know that a lot of the alarmism about it is just that alarmism. But there, there's an interesting thing I wanted to draw everybody's attention to, the work of a Harvard sociologist named Kathleen Carley. Uh, she's made some great progress on studying the spread 
of this misinformation. First off, the the um, the germination of this kind of story is actively obscured, usually, right? Like, think about it. If you're running a puppeteering propaganda campaign, you want to work through different proxies. Kathleen Carley found that not only does false news seem to travel about six times faster on social media than real news, because real news is a little less exciting, uh, but she also found that in COVID-19-related activity on Twitter, 70% of it was conducted by bots. 70%. 45% of the accounts relaying information about COVID-19 also bots. So there's something something stinky in the Twitter sphere there. Well, you know who's not a bot, you guys? Ed. I'm going to give you a rundown of the rest of the stuff that he, he told me about, okay? All right, so he's been working in that field for 20 years. He installed the original uh, radios that are on the cell towers that were used for LTE when LTE technology was first really introduced, or he was a he was a part of that. And what they're doing now, at least with the company for which he works, they are taking those same old radios and just changing them a little bit for them to work with the 5G technology, because ultimately it's just changing the wavelengths at which these things are going to be transmitting at least the big ones. When you look a little deeper into 5G, you realize that there are three separate bandwidths, essentially, in which they function. The one that you'll hear a lot about is the high-frequency ones, and that's where you have to be really close or relatively close to the radio emitter to actually get the technology to function. But he's working on, at least to my understanding, after speaking with Ed, he's working on the big radios, the broadcasters, essentially, that are on the large towers that you have to climb up. The dude climbs up like 200 to 400 feet just on an everyday job. Just you saying that out loud just (laughs) gave me like vertigo. But he is physically on, like strapped to these giant antenna and climbing up them and getting hit directly with these waves, the technology, the radio waves and the free, the, um, the RF essentially interference is hitting him. And he said, he's never been sick because of any of this stuff. He has been literally installing the five G and changing the tech to make it five G and he's not feeling sick at all. And he's been right in front of the things at times. Do they have to wear any kind of shielding at all or like anything? You know, I would think just even if, you know, it wasn't like proven to cause cancer, which I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying, you know, that level of of, uh, electromagnetic, whatever it is, you'd think they would wear something to to shield their innards from it. No? No, it's, you have to be careful if you're going to stand right in front of a few of the different ones that you can encounter when you go up on those antenna, because there's several, a lot of times there's several different types of emitters that are on those things. There are a few that you have to be careful of. He said he got sick one time from an FM radio emitter, actually. Interesting. Huh. And and it's just because he happened, it happened to be transmitting so um, strongly that when he first arrived to the site, he and uh, the guy he was there with, they could hear the radio station coming through the steel leg of the antenna <laughs> as they're about to climb it. But, but that's like uh, here in Atlanta, the Georgia State uh, emitters, I, I forget how many watts it is at the GSU, which is now the NPR 
station. They WRAS. WRAS. They transmit uh, at a very high rate there. It's very powerful, and w- some weird stuff can happen with <laughs> that transmission. A uh, couple last things, I promise. Um, he did say there is one thing you need to be careful with when you're using 1G, 2G, 3, 4, 5G technology. And he said, that's where you keep your phone. He said, you've got an antenna in your phone, whatever you're using. And that thing, just like the cell tower up there, is broadcasting. Because there's a, there's a feedback loop or there's an information loop that's occurring. And at all times, your phone is broadcasting through that antenna. He said, just don't hold it up to your ear, <laughs> you know, like a phone. <laughs> and don't keep it in your pocket near your stuff you're near uh, australia you're australia he said because that is genuinely dangerous <laughs> that's what he says wait 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 wait, wait. hold on a second <laughs> hold on a second so he's saying the phone is problematic but the giant emitters are harmless that doesn't make any sense to me well he said according to ed it has to do with proximity all of this has to do with proximity and that's where you can come into problems because it's broadcasting just, you know, everywhere in all directions at all times. And that is a type of radiation. So, Matt, one thing that I think is incredibly important here about your conversation with Ed is the, the myth busting there about radio, radio frequency, because that's something that I think a lot of our astute listeners tuned into. Poor choice of words, maybe. Uh, when they said, wait the radio waves that i hear in my car that 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 is dangerous uh, as opposed to a cell phone and then you nailed it with the conversation about proximity as far as we know the science today assures us that the radiation cell phones give off is a low energy type of radiation the low end of the em spectrum and that means it's safer than the high energy radiation like x rays or gamma rays those are high enough energy to give off what's called ionizing radiation. They can ionize an atom or a molecule. Why is that important? Because that means it can damage cell DNA. Why is that important? Because that can lead to cancer. RF is not powerful enough to do that. But again, you know, as a, as a layperson here, not an expert, I think in general, it's just... It's just smart not to have electronics by your unmentionables. Sure, I, I don't think or that's your a brain. hot take. Or your brain, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, so Ben, just to just to clarify for for me, um, so it's about the size of the wave, right? Like smaller waves can get inside you and like disrupt tissue, whereas RF is larger. They're larger waves, and is is the deal with five G. Like, what differentiates 5G from 4G? Is it the size of the wave, or is it, like, the the means of transmission? I've always been a little foggy on that, too. There's a thing you're going to hear bandied about all over the place online right now, and that is millimeter wave technology. You're, you're going to hear that a lot. And 5G is considered this millimeter wave technology. But again, as we were kind of talking about earlier, 5G can function on several different bandwidths. I think it's 28 gigahertz is the high band. That's the one that is potentially the the version that a long time ago when we made that episode, we cited it as being potentially dangerous depending on how close you are to it. Mm-hmm. Again, it's proximity. And I would say there's also longitudinal studies that, that we would need to have to have 100% science. But another big myth 
Uh, and Ed from Kentucky, I hope you appreciate us busting this one too. 5G is not some new magic thing. 5G, the, the frequencies that are used in what's been called 5G have been used in the past for plenty of other stuff, like t television broadcasts, right? So if 5G is unsafe, then 5G has been unsafe for decades. You do, know what I mean? Does this have to do with uh, the elimination of like television broadcast over the air? And that's why yes. this was able to come in? Okay. It, Ed described it to me as in basically the frequencies all just kind of shifted hands where the police band radio or the police radio bands changed with another thing because the television bands went digital and they all just kind of shifted who gets to use what at what frequencies. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember when that happened, there was definitely talk of some things to come. So I guess we're really kind of seeing it now. Interesting. So the last thing I would just say about Ed is that it was tremendously good to hear from somebody who actually does a thing and understands a technology because he has to, because he installs them and fixes them. Uh, it was tremendously good to hear from him that in his 20 years of experience, he has had nothing but one time where he felt a little sick because he was right up against this giant FM radio emitter and because he was literally there. <laughs> And, and just Ed, really quickly, I wasn't trying to question your uh, your description of you know not getting sick from the transmitters, but potentially being careful with the phone. I think I misunderstood uh, the whole proximity uh, aspect of of that when Matt was talking about it in the first place. But yeah, super appreciate the insider info here. So thanks so much, Ed from Kentucky. I I don't know why I love I love seeing people's names and where they're from. So uh, thank you for tuning in. And it sounds like you are very familiar with audio messages as well as their delivery. So thanks for tuning in to stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, out of all the out of all the other things we could have found, and uh, we hope you keep us in the loop as you see more things developing here. And you know, Ed as well as everybody else familiar with the 5G misinformation and disinformation out there, uh, weigh in. Let us know your firsthand experience. It's invaluable. And with that, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsor, but we'll be right back with another message from you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiasts searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night. Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we're back, and we're going to continue uh, in our coronavirus uh, uh, theme here, um, specifically coronavirus conspiracies. Um, I mentioned that piece on uh, NPR that kind of detailed the anatomy and the breakdown of how these conspiracies uh, sort of flow. Um, and we have a call from an anonymous listener who had a question about another one of those. Hey, guys. I really love the show. I've been a fan for quite some time, and I um, I figured after hearing the episode on COVID-19 and um, its recent developments here in the U.S., I would just throw out a couple of ideas that came to mind. You know, obviously it is a real pandemic and people unfortunately are uh, becoming seriously ill depending on their, you know, age and demographic. But could this have possibly been a bio attack internalized as a result of what was going on in Hong Kong? Um, And maybe this was some response from the government there? That's a possible idea. And then the other, you know, jarring thing about this pandemic is how much coverage it's gotten in comparison to other previous pandemics that arguably have had um, more drastic and more devastating results. I don't want to discredit, you know, anyone who specifically knows someone who's been infected or those who have been infected. Just some food for thought. And I hope everyone as well. Thanks so much for the call. Um, I, for first, we're, we're mainly going to address the, the first one there, but I just wanted to quickly, what other pandemics is he talking about that, that didn't get as much coverage? I, I'm confused about what he's referring to. Well, I mean, if you look back historically, the H1N1 that was almost a pandemic, or was it? <clears throat> well, no, it wasn't. But it was a, an outbreak, pretty serious outbreak for H1N1, yeah. SARS, for several sure. other... But- but I think the reason those didn't, this is much more all encompassing is because it's just more all encompassing, right? Like it's like absolutely a pandemic and it is having real ramifications on regular day to day activities more so than those did. Even if they were technically more deadly, you know, they affected a much smaller group of people. Am I misreading that? No. Okay. Okay, so we got that one out of the way. Uh, the first one, I think, is a very interesting question. It's certainly one that was has been bandied about a bit, and it's this idea that could the coronavirus 
could it have been a manufactured, purposefully released uh, example of bioterrorism? This is something that's that's you know been uh, kicked around the internet um, a lot since this came out, and I think we can unequivocally say several things about about this question. There's a really great article on the Washington Post um, written by a guy named Dan Casazeda, who is a London-based uh, chemical and biological defense specialist um, who's worked with the U.S. Army and the Pentagon and the White House and also the Secret Service. And he very specifically talks about how the United States hasn't had a biological weapons division since the 1970s. Um, so that's a thing. So essentially, in, if we were to do this, um, not that the accusation is that we did it, to other countries or to ourselves or anything, um, we would essentially be breaking our own laws or we would be going outside of our, you know, programs that actually exist. The most important part, though, is the logistics of it just don't make sense uh, for that application. Um, you know, if, for a country to use this uh, as a biological weapon, if that were the case, it's essentially so communicable that and it's been spread just through regular transit and commerce um, that it just has there's no way of controlling it. There's no way of isolating it, uh, it to, to, to only your enemies. And obviously we're seeing this thing spread wide, far and wide into every you know possible nation that exists on this planet. Uh, you know, you don't want to unleash something that you can't control if that's your if that's your goal. So to answer I think to answer the question you started with, Noel, uh, yes, it absolutely could be designed as a bioweapon if the people designing it were terrible at their jobs and should be fired immediately. Uh, you mentioned the Washington Post article. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with that one. Uh, I think that's from April, right? And we had looked at, as we said in a previous episode in our series on COVID, uh, the issue is communicability, right? Uh, I think I overused that Fantasia reference with Mickey Mouse again. But I would say another issue with it is the lack of uh, fatalities there, right? It's the same old conspiracy lore we've heard with people alleging that HIV or uh, AIDS acquired through HIV, is uh, is itself a bioweapon. The problem is, if you want to use a bioweapon, and human beings have been doing this for a very, very long time, then you want to, first, yeah, you want to address what you're talking about, or what the Washington Post is talking about in terms of communicability and targeting capacity. But secondly, you want to make sure that it actually incapacitates people. And sometimes we conflate uh, being fatal with incapacitating. You just need the other army to not be able to function. And if you're being very, very villainous, you would want, maybe if you're trying to wipe a population out and you for some reason can't kill them all at once, you would want to sterilize them. And no one has made, as far as we know officially, no one has deployed a bioweapon like that. So if if COVID-19 was designed to be a bioweapon, it was very poorly designed. It's kind of like making a, um, it, it's kind of like building a pretty good car for a yacht race. Right. You won't do very well once you get off the shore. It's like bringing a taser to a machine gun fight, you know? I don't know. Yours was better. Uh, but no, it's true. It, and also, like, I didn't really realize you know, a lot of what we think of uh, in terms of this article makes this point beautifully in terms of like bioterrorism is the idea of unleashing total chaos 
and annihilation and just like anarchy, like watching the world burn, just kill them all. And that doesn't really make sense either. It needs to be much more strategic than that and much more, like you said, Ben, controllable. Well, what? Okay. Ugh. I don't even want to say the things I'm thinking because I don't want to lead to any more internet rumor or fear mongering or any of that because we've talked about a lot of this in those previous episodes, as you mentioned, Ben, um, and I don't want to go too far into it, but it does feel as though if an actor, a state actor, or even a a segment within within that state wanted to do something that would cripple the current global economy and the power players within that global economy, if you created something similar to COVID-19 and the coronavirus, that could be effective even, even if it did affect your own country and your own economy in the state where you're working if the end goal is to cripple the some of the major players in the global economy more than you i guess so that even if you know you're going to take a bullet to the leg or to the side you're not going to take one in any vital organs if Mm -hmm. does that make sense Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because we have to consider the motivations. If there is someone purposefully crafting a weapon, if there's a weaponeer, a bioweaponeer here, then what do they want? Do they just want to see the world burn? Uh, If so, I'm going to maintain they could have done a better job. It is a horrible disease that is leading to death, uh, but... You know, again, to your point, Matt, maybe the aim here is just to disrupt, not to not to actually kill everyone who's contracting it. But to that point, I would also advance. Well, I think you're you're making a very fair point. We have to be careful to recognize that there are numerous opportunists who are weaponizing COVID, even if it was not meant to be used as a weapon, they're weaponizing it for a political aim or they're weaponizing it for an economic opportunity, right? This country A is shut down, so come to country B. Our factories are still open. You know what I mean? Like that, You don't have to have hatched the original conspiracy to create your own conspiracy based on it. You know what I mean? That's that's my opinion. Again, that's hypothetical. We don't I don't have any proof, you guys might, but I don't have any proof that there's a um that there's that level of opportunism going on, but we do know you just have to read the news to know that multiple uh political actors in multiple countries are definitely using COVID uh as as a framework for whatever goals they want to accomplish now. That's just politics. That's a really good point. Agreed. Uh, well, I think we could take another quick break, yeah? And then uh, we have one more um, listener message. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we've returned. Our last piece of listener correspondence today comes from Abby with a question that I wanted to bring to you all because I feel like this could be a pretty strong future episode and I'm surprised we haven't talked about it before. Hey guys, um, my name is Abby, um, longtime listener and fan. Um, I just wanted to ask if y'all had ever done an episode or any like YouTube about standardized testing and why I am specifically asking is because I'm about to take the bar exam in July and um, the measures that the, the National Board of Bar Examiners as well as each individual state have gone to to protect and uphold this exam has been insane and you know they're still trying to hold it in the middle of a pandemic um and you know not a lot of states are being very flexible so i was just gonna um see if you guys had ever done an episode on standardized testing and um if y'all had ever done some investigation into that because it seems incredibly fishy and clearly um has shown evidence of being um you know having discriminatory outcomes um even just from the SATs to like high school standardized testing and everything like that. So thank you. Thanks for calling in, Abby. This is one of those increasingly rare moments for us when we hear a topic and think, how the hell have we not covered this over a decade or so of doing this show in one form or another? Now, if you are one of our U.S. listeners you know exactly what Abby is talking about with standardized testing. Every time throughout your uh, grade school, college, and post-college career that you had to uh, sit in a room, get a timer, 
from a like a proctor, lift up a pencil or a pen, right? And you had to read a page that was just these very weird specific uh, instructions about how to take the test. And then you had, you know, my favorite part of those little Scantron or Blue Book things was always the one page that says, this page was intentionally left blank. And it's not blank because they wrote this page is intentionally left blank on it. But, you know, it's weird that we have not done something about standardized testing. I've mentioned it a lot on the air over the years, uh, the problems with defining, much less measuring intelligence in the very beginning, right? Uh, We know that the IQ test has a ton of problems. Uh, We also know that standardized testing, it often falls short of its theoretical mark. We know that it's uh, it's vulnerable to corruption on multiple levels, We also know that there are brilliant, no fooling, no hyperbole, there are brilliant people who don't take tests well. You know what I mean? There's someone who can hear an entire classical composition on piano and they can play it. They could just hear it once and play it, but maybe they have a really difficult time uh, reading written paragraphs or something, perhaps due to dyslexia or due to some other uh, specific learning ability in that in that cluster and without going into the idea of multiple intelligences and things like that we know that these kind of forms these forms of standardized testing can be misused and they can be abused and we know that they also there is very compelling evidence that they play a role in what is sometimes called a performance gap across that's you know in one demographic of a test-taking population seems to do better or worse than another demographic, and and you don't really know why, because by every other metric, these students are equal. Hmm. This is something we have discussed a couple times with regards to uh, public education versus, I think it was charter schools maybe we had a conversation about because of a listener prior to this. Um, it was a long time ago. So I'm just going to echo you, Ben, to say thank you to Abby for for writing in about this. Um, If you go online and search for, you know, issues with standardized testing, problems, any whatever keyword you want to use, you will find many of the issues that Ben just outlined for you. And it's written by a lot of times professionals who have been in the field, you know, as educators for decades who are just decrying the practice and saying, hey, there is a better way. There has to be a better way. We just need to get together and make it happen or change the standards to a different standard of testing, right? <laughs> yeah, and there's there's one thing that we hit on. You know, some of us on the show right now may have a bit of personal bias because we have teachers in our personal lives or our families. Uh, one thing I know that a lot of our fellow listeners in the crowd who are working in education now can 100% agree to is that depending on what part of the world you live in and depending on what part of the United States you live in, uh, the system sometimes emphasizes teaching to the test. The phrase teaching to the test means that a lot of these kids may be stuck in a situation and their instructors may be stuck in a situation where it is more important to learn how to do well on a specific milestone test than it is to actually learn the skills being imparted, which is dangerous, you know? Yeah. 
it's also why we have cheating scandals, right? Because uh, there's so much emphasis placed on the importance of these standardized tests that a lot of teachers feel really helpless and they feel like they're going to lose funding or they're going to lose their jobs if they don't make those numbers. It's all a numbers game. So in Atlanta in particular, Atlanta public schools, we had a huge cheating scandal that was systematic, but it was also like, you understand where this is coming from. Not to condone it, but it's definitely like the pressure to make those quotas, you know, is is immense. So for anyone who is currently raising a child, anyone who is currently going through formalized schooling, where wherein these tests are, are critical, I want to give an impactful anecdote that unfortunately happens more than once. This is how standardized testing can play a huge role in people's lives. Suicide rates in Japan go up when it's entrance exam season. People will, students will take their own lives if they feel they have not uh, qualified well or, or performed well. And also if we're teaching for a test, if we are teaching a specific performance, that is what a test is. A test is a specific performance. Just like, uh, you know, without being dismissive, because a lot of smart people with the best of intentions have worked on standardized testing, right? It is teaching a performance. So at what point do we lose critical thinking and prioritize rote, R-O-T-E, memorization? It's dangerous because at the risk of sounding cliche, the big thing nobody tells you about standardized tests when you're a kid is that you don't run into them often in the real world. You know, you're not going to be in uh, a lot of situations where all of a sudden you have a multiple choice question and you have 15 minutes to figure out the word problem and people tell you when to put your pencils up or down. The the world needs critical thinking. Uh, And it does need memorization. And we do have to have a standard to measure success, right? But the opponents of the current standardized testing systems will point out that they, you know, their problems with or questions about how much they do or don't prepare people for the quote unquote real world. And then to the bar exams specifically, to the SATs, to the MCATs and such, those are industries. Those are industries that make a huge amount of money. It's it's a leviathan in the billions if you look at standardized testing overall. So what is the impetus to change it? If the motive is profit and we're profiting, why rock the apple cart? Well, well, why rock the Scantron cart? So, so, so it was like SAT prep, you know, and like ACT prep. That's an industry in and of itself, you know, of scale. Uh, but you're right. Those other tests that, that actually the tests themselves are money-making industries. That's it's, it's a really good point. I didn't think about. Um, uh, it, it, but, you know, like to your point, Ben, I feel like all of the best stuff that I learned in college, uh, I didn't learn in college. <laughs> I learned on the job. I learned just figuring things out and having to kind of sink or swim. And certainly can't just fake your way through being a lawyer. You definitely need like a wealth of like, you know, memorized information and case law and all that. But I don't know. It's interesting the, the, wondering what the middle ground version of that looks like. There, there's an article on harvardpolitics.com that's talking about a lot of this, and they cite um, Richard Rothstein as uh, it's the author of Class and Schools. It's a, a book that you can find. It's actually out of stock in several places that I've looked for. It. But it really emphasizes what you're talking about there, Noel. Um, 
and Ben, the the prep industry that is there, the test prep industry, because there's so much to it there, the books, the actual services that you can pay for, it all costs a bunch of money. And the only way you can get those services is if you have the dispensable income to spend on those things, right? And then you realize that what you're actually, or at least according to Rothstein, what you're actually measuring by doing standardized testing is the socioeconomic status of that school district and that specific school. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it becomes. So in this weird way, it has more to do with real estate than anything else. I don't know about anything else, but it definitely plays a much more pivotal role. I mean, think about this. You're a politician. You want to get reelected, right? Or you're a real estate developer. You want to sell some houses in a certain district or zip code. You want a metric. If you're a politician, right, or you're a superintendent, you're in the administrative field, you can't just say, or you shouldn't be able to just say anecdotally, you know, kids do pretty well in schools here. You want to have a test that has appears to have good results, and then you want to control those results such that they always appear to be, if not great, improving, right? On a steady, as long as I'm in office, great. And if you are real estate, um, if you're involved in the real estate industry, of course, location, 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 uh, I believe that schools and zip codes uh, play, to your point, Matt, um, I hope I didn't interject too soon. They play a critical role in the value of any house, even just a plot of land, right? Yeah, I would say, and Noel, you can probably speak to this. Before having a child, before thinking about having a child even, I never would have considered that where I live is not, it's not going to have anything to do with the house or the apartment, wherever it is, how far away it is from the highway, the number one factor is, would I be comfortable sending my child to the public schools in this area? Yeah. I mean, and, well, no, I wasn't. The, the the ones that are rated low, you look at those numbers and it has to do with test scores. Yeah, so, but it's scary when you just see the number. That's what I agree think, with you. Like, I agree with am you. I doing good enough for my child? But when you realize that that number is actually, it has nothing to do with the quality of the teacher. It's true. It's true. I completely agree. And so we have her in a charter school now. Um, and here's the thing, too, with uh, with everything being online now. I mean, her, her school is going to be online for at least the first six weeks, if not longer. I wonder, you know, if that, that that's so so based on technology and kind of standardization. And I don't know, I worry that maybe it's going to feel less one on one and more kind of this hive mind kind of approach to, to teaching. Not that these are that related, but you see, you see what I'm saying? Like the concern? I, I don't know. It's, it's just, all of it worries me. <laughs> I'm worried about a lot yeah. of this stuff. Yeah, strange times, because especially when we consider to the note about class, as in socioeconomic class and opportunities for education, uh, we, we see that there is tremendous danger for students in historically disadvantaged areas to to essentially be run out of schools because uh, so many so many places uh, prioritize education in their lip service and their speech to the constituents and they treat it in the opposite fashion when it comes to the line item budget under review. I still remember, I have many, many, many teachers in my family, and I still remember how much blood, sweat, and personal 
tears these people put in as individuals just to help kids because the uh, the government and community that was supposed to do it doesn't come through. I bet if you write back, listening now, I bet if you pick one teacher, one teacher out of your entire past, from pre-K to college and probably grad school and on, I bet if you just pick one teacher at random and you ask them if they ever had to spend out of pocket for their students, if they ever had to work hours they weren't being paid, I bet you they will say yes. I can't give you an award if you win that bet, but I bet you. Oh, I mean, even when COVID kicked in, Eden's teacher at the time, it was, you know, the end of the school year and they had to very quickly transition. they, they, They canceled the standardized tests. That, that because of that whole situation and them not being able to prepare. But this teacher literally ran around town meeting individual students and their parents to give them their packet of like work from home work. And it was like, not like you come to her. It was like, she came to you and it was after hours. And it was like, I mean, she did stuff like that all the time. I mean, it's a calling, you know, it's certainly not something you do for the glory or like the, uh, hell, even the appreciation from your superiors, you know, it's something you do because you're, you're called to do it and, and, and you're needed. And the reward comes in like, you know, seeing kids grow into amazing human beings. Um, so that's pretty awesome that you can have that kind of influence on kids, but you're right. It's so much of that out of pocket spending on school supplies because the budgets are so slashed, you know, it's yeah. Just to bring this all back full circle for this episode. Um, As we're recording this, there are students across the world, across the United States, especially that are getting ready to go back to school, whether virtual or physical. There are teachers right now, maybe listening to this while they set up their classroom, maybe while they are thinking about how the heck they're going to keep themselves and those children safe in, in that environment. And in a lot of places, like here in Atlanta, the official response to this pandemic isn't even inked on paper. Mm-hmm. And the plan is there is no plan. Yeah. So thank you to all of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I'm so glad you said that. Thank you to every single educator out there. Yes, including uh, educators administering the bar exam. Uh, In the interest of time, I feel like this has to be a full episode, just diving into some of the numbers behind congressional acts and the private companies uh, that are making hand over fist money here. It's clear that there's a number of things afoot here. Uh, As for the bar exam, it's really interesting. My My friends who've taken it Uh, tell me a lot about the multi-state, how some things apply in one state, but not in another state. Uh, And and we'd like to, we'd like to dive into this more. One thing we can assure you here, Abby, however, is that there is definitely a profit motive involved. This is not, (laughs) standardized testing is not a nonprofit institution. Would that make it better? We don't know. But uh, if, if you guys are okay with that, I would love to make this a future episode. And teachers, educators, former, past, future, we want to hear from you. Let us know what you think about standardized testing. Let us know your war stories. If you, like Ed from Kentucky, have firsthand experience with 5G and have heard radio stations through steel on a tower, we want to hear from you. And if you, like our anonymous caller, 
have some information about COVID or bioweapons in general or about COVID as a bioweapon, let us know. We do our best to be easy to find, at least online. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we are at Conspiracy Stuff Show. You can find us all on social media individually. I am at Matt Frederick underscore iHeart. You can find me on Instagram exclusively where I am at How Now Noel Brown. You can find me on Instagram at Ben Bullen, uh, B-O-W-L-I-N, or you can find me on Twitter at Ben Bullen, H-S-W, or you can just go into a room, turn off the lights, say some stuff in a mirror. I'll try to my best to show up. But if you don't like whispering into darkened mirrors, if you're not the biggest fan of social media, you can still contact us in a few uh, more traditional methods. Uh, we have a phone number and we need you to call it for us to be able to keep doing listener mail once a week. That's right. You can call us at 1-833-STDWYTK. Yes, leave a message. You have three minutes. Anything you want to say, feel free. You can call as many times as you want, but for the sake of everybody uh, trying to get in, Go ahead and just leave us one good message, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. And hey, while you're at it, why not leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts for the show? Um, We really appreciate your support, and other people are able to discover the show better when uh, it gets more reviews, and it helps in the rankings and all of that. So that would be a huge favor to us. Uh, And if you don't want to do any of that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
quick. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.